0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to Hittin' Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, will Carter be hurt in the long term? Could Pitts be our new wide receiver too? And should, as one writer suggests, the Hawks listen to offers on trade? It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. We ask you to head over to youtube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button, be a part of our community. You can also leave us a comment. We are free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your favorites. Roku and Amazon Fire are two additional ways that you can get all of our content. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Well, we saw Jalen Carter earlier today that he pled no contest to the charges of reckless driving against him. And he was assessed a $1,000 fine, 80 hours of community service. I wonder how he's going to manage 80 hours of community service with an NFL schedule and all that Draft coming up and working out and all that good kind of stuff, and then it was uh, the fine twelve-month suspension. No big deal, right? I mean, this was the the charges themselves were always going to go away. But yesterday at pro day for the uh, for University of Georgia, he obviously did not have a good day. He came in nine pounds heavier than he was at the combine. He only did some drills. He didn't run. He only did some drills, and eventually. He cramped up and complained about, you know, that he was, you know, he had had something going on or cramps and all that stuff, but he didn't finish his workout. So does this hurt Jalen Carter in the long term? Okay. At the end of the day, we can talk about all of these things about combine questions, workouts, and all that kind of stuff. And then an NFL GM is going to stick the videotape in and look at that and say, Oh, that's how he plays. Okay, we can we can draft him. So I don't think Jalen Carter, look, is he gonna be the number one overall pick? No, but that's that is as in part just because that the way the top of the draft looks, that teams are going after quarterbacks. I would anticipate, could be wrong, but I would anticipate that the Panthers are gonna take. CJ Stroud at number one, and the Texans will take um, Bryce Young at number two. And then you get into, I think Richardson goes off the board in the top four picks. I think the Colts may look at him. Will Levis could be an, a, a pick. You know, I think four quarterbacks in the first seven picks are very likely. Could Jalen Carter potentially slip down to the Atlanta Falcons? I, I get the sense that the Falcons are going to stay at eight if they anything that they they probably wouldn't trade up, but stay at eight and see what falls to them. But here's an intriguing question to look at with Jalen Carter. If Jalen Carter was sitting at six or seven, now me personally, I don't think he gets past the Seattle Seahawks at number five, but if Jalen Carter was sitting at six or seven, would the Falcons be willing to trade up? Would you be willing to trade up a spot or two to get your hands on Jalen Carter? And listen, my my opinion, and I don't know that the Falcons would do this, but my personal opinion is, if it's only a spot or two, then I would move up if if he was sitting there at seven and you know, I guess it's I think it's the Las Vegas Raiders or the El Segundo Raiders or the Cucamonga. Raiders, whatever city they're in right now, the Raiders, I think, sit at number seven. I would be very tempted to go get a Jalen Carter. Now, again, I've said, you know, Stroud, if he fell to eight, that's the pick I would make. But but those are probably unrealistic scenarios. And I don't think that Jalen Carter falling to eight is a very realistic scenario. I still think Will Anderson is going to be the top guy taken off the board somewhere in that first seven picks. But it would be fascinating to see if the Falcons would bite. You know, this goes back to the, and I know different times, different circumstance. But remember when the Falcons had the number six pick and they drafted Jake Matthews, okay? The number five pick in that draft was Khalil Mack. Now, it's not that the Falcons didn't desperately need. Because remember, we had that whole conversation, Taylor Lewan, Jake Matthews. Um, who's the guy from, uh, from Auburn, Greg, uh, or, uh, sorry. Um, I forget the other tackle, but anyway, the, the discussion was about taking an offensive lineman, but then Greg Robinson. Um, so the discussion was with the, with the Raid and the Raiders were actually the team ahead of the Falcons at that point. Would you have traded up a spot or two to go get Khalil Mack? And I'm not saying that that was a, game-changing decision for the Falcons. I mean, Jake Matthews has been a really good player and a really solid player for this franchise. But how different would the franchise have looked if they had gotten up and gotten Khalil Mack? How how much different would the defense have looked over the last decade if Khalil Mack was here? If the Falcons see Jalen Carter sitting at number seven, how tempting is it to maybe go up and try to make a deal like that? But I get the sense that the Falcons are going to stay at eight, and they're going to let everything kind of fall down to them because I do think in the first seven pick, the, the first seven picks ahead of the Falcons, I think four quarterbacks are going to be taken. Four quarterbacks would be taken. The question would be if, if Jalen Carter fell to number seven, would the Raiders bite on drafting him or a Will Levis? Because a lot of people have linked Will Levis, even with Jimmy Garoppolo in the fold, looking at your long-term answer at quarterback, okay? Not just for a couple few years, but your real long-term answer at quarterback. And a lot of people you know, mock draft their way to saying that Will Levis might be the guy at number seven for them. But you wonder if they would pass on Jalen Carter, if they would pass on a talent like that. Because again, when you look at the tape And you look at his game-wrecking ability, there's no doubt that he is worthy of being the number one overall pick from a prospect perspective and and what his talent is or anything like that. It's not a matter of he's not worthy of a number one pick. And I do think that there is going to be some sliding of Jalen Carter, both for some of the questions he's having to answer, both for a little bit of his workout, but more the fact that He is looking at a whole bunch of quarterbacks that are going to get taken ahead of him, that teams are positioning themselves to go draft their young quarterback. And when you have Stroud and Bryce Young, there's a lot of appeal and allure to drafting those kinds of guys. Everybody's always looking for their franchise quarterback, and teams will reach, before they even reach for a defensive tackle, teams will reach to go get their quarterback, because without that position, you feel like your franchise is never going to get over the hump. But it would be interesting to see if Jalen Carter gets, if he gets past Seattle, gets into number six and potentially number seven, would the Falcons make a move to go up there? Me personally, if I'm the GM, I definitely would trade up a spot or two. Not the number one or anything like crazy like that. But if it is a spot or two, then I absolutely make that deal because you see that all the time. Nowadays in the NFL draft, Teams trade up one to maybe two spots at most. Most teams are not willing to go jump way up to go get a player, save the Carolina Panthers. But even Jacksonville last year could not dump off the number one pick. But a spot or two would be very intriguing to maybe potentially go up and get him. All right, let's talk about our friends over at FanDuel. Listen, FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And as we're winding down the NBA season, go to FanDuel.com today And sign up and get your no sweat first bet where you can win as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel Sportsbook app, it's safe, secure, super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money lines to point spreads to everything in between. And FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So head to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N today. Claim your no sweat first bet, where if you don't win that bet, you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets. It's FanDuel.com slash on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. So, John U. Smith was one of the pieces that the Atlanta Falcons picked up in a trade. And he's obviously a tight end. And, you know, he had time with Arthur Smith. Now, with John o. Smith in the fold, and, and obviously Parker Hesse and some of these guys, whatever, but with John o. Smith in the fold, he is definitely a get down the field, can catch the football, only had two drops, you know, on 27 receptions last year. He is definitely a guy who can stretch the field. Now, he didn't do as much of that last year, but. He has had years where he's been 12, you know, almost 13 yards per reception. So he can get some yardage, chunks of yardage. But the question becomes this. With a Jonu Smith, who's played in Arthur Smith's offensive system and did really good things in Tennessee. And certainly he was a guy that Arthur Smith was able to maximize. And Jonu Smith has said nothing but really good things about Arthur Smith being here in Atlanta, he wants to be an Atlanta Falcon because he flourished under Arthur Smith's offense in Tennessee. But it does raise the question, could we see Cal Pitts slide out and potentially become a number two wide receiver? So if you have Drake London on one outside wide receiver, you've got Jonu Smith lined up at your tight end position. Could you see Cal Pitts slide out? Could Could he eventually... Take advantage of his athleticism, his speed, his catch, all the different things about. Because again, if we're talking about a true unicorn, right? A true unicorn, I could see this very much happening with Kyle Pitts. I, I very much could see that he plays more wide receiver than he is as far as a tight end. You know, and look, when you have that size, speed, combination of everything, you you definitely want to do some different things with a Kyle Pitts. But Jonu Smith is a guy that maybe allows this Falcons offense to do some different things with him. I don't think that's a bad idea. I don't think that, honestly, if you're splitting Kyle Pitts out wide, I don't think that's a bad idea to put him out there and, and maybe make a mismatch on a corner. Take his size and speed and ability to catch – and and line him up against a corner, and say, okay, here we go. We're going to throw the ball up to you. You know, and again, you could you could get Johnu to to track downfield and and come down the seam over the middle of the field. You could do some different things with him. But I would be very much intrigued by the idea of Kyle Pitts splitting out wide and using his athleticism to see what he can do. Because at some point, you know, and we've talked about this in the past, I think just a month or two ago. We've talked about, look, we got to have Kyle Pitts have a breakout kind of year. Well, it was 1,000 yards. Okay, 1,026 yards is not a breakout year. I'm talking about 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns. I'm talking about that high caliber. Again, Jamar Chase level numbers, Travis Kelsey level numbers where you're 14, 1,500 yards and 10 touchdowns. Are we going to throw it a whole bunch? Are we going to throw it 600 times like Matt Ryan did? No. But he still has to have that kind of production. And I would be very intrigued about the idea of putting him out wide and seeing what he could do. And especially when you get into the red zone. Yeah, I know. Everybody talks about, well, they, they double-teamed. Every high-caliber player at wide receiver tight end gets double-teamed. But you saw in the Super Bowl, okay, when you have a play caller like Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid, you see when those guys come together, the, the play calling in the Super Bowl, right? You, you saw guys wide open. You saw Kelsey break free and catch that first touchdown pass and find himself open. You can scheme your way to some of these things. You you can get guys open if you're good offensive mind, you can get guys open. And Arthur Smith, I do believe is one of those kinds of guys. I do believe that he's a really good offensive mind and and he's got a good high football IQ. So if you split him out wide, there's no doubt that that he could become a different kind of player in a different kind of role. And I would I would think that Kyle Pitts wouldn't mind being more of a wide receiver because, you know, those guys get paid a lot more dollars than, say, your average tight end. But whatever it is, okay, John o. Smith is tight end. We split Kyle Pitts out. Whatever the scheme ends up being and the player personnel on the field ends up being, we have to get Kyle Pitts more involved in our offense, in our red zone. There's no doubt about it that we need him to be a 100-catch, 1,400 yard, 10 touchdown kind of player, you know, like guys that are pass catchers that you know are drafted number four overall should be. And I don't care if he's a tight end, he's a wide receiver. Look, you can if if you want to call him a, a halfback, you know, or whatever. I don't care what name you put on his position, WR2, TE, HB, whatever you want to put on it. But I am intrigued by the idea of getting him out wide and seeing if we can use his speed, his size, his catch radius and get him out into some space where he can run past some people, he can maybe run over some people and and find a way to use his athleticism and use his big-time catch radius, and especially when we get down in the red zone. I would be very intrigued by Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Jonu Smith, and seeing how much, and listen, even Cordero Patterson, Tyler Algier, this could really be a really good offensive potential. Arthur Smith, I do believe, is a guy that can find a way to maximize the talent. And as I said, John Smith was a guy who really wanted to be here. He had all of his best years under Arthur Smith. It's no coincidence that he certainly wanted to be in Atlanta, and he had nothing but glowing things to say about Arthur. But I would be intrigued if Kyle Pitts splits out wide and he finds himself at wide receiver too. All right, after you make hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen every day, make sure you make Locked on Sports today your second listen, Biggest Stories of the Day, Instant Reactions, Big Game Recaps, and The Take of the Day. It's available on Odyssey, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get all of your podcasts from. So a writer in, uh, in Forbes, Forbes.com, had this to say about... Trey Young. This is Brian uh, Toporek, T-O-P-O-R-E-K. He's a senior contributor to Forbes. And he says in the headline of his article, the Atlanta Hawks should be open to trading Trey Young in the 2023 offseason. Okay. All right. And you start to read on a little bit and, you know, they kind of set uh, everything up. Okay. But one couple of interesting things that they did bring up in this article is that the the Atlanta Hawks have been better this year when Trey has been, uh, not saying better when he's off the court versus when he's on the court, but they have been better when he's off the court than they have in years past. In his first few years in the league, when Trey Young was off the court, they were uh, were 105.9 points per 100 possessions when Trey was off the court. This year, when Trey Young the court, it's gone up to 112.2 points per 100 possessions. So that's a pretty significant increase. While at the same time, when Trey Young has been on the court historically, it's been 117.5 points per 100 possessions. This year is 117.8 points. So that gap is closed pretty significantly from where it's been in years past when it felt like when Trey Young was off the court, this offense just went to crap. And I think some of that is DeJounte Murray. At times, it's been A.J. Griffin. You know, it's been some different pieces and parts and stuff like that. But here's another interesting thing that they say in this article. Quote, the addition of Murray should have also enabled Young to operate more off the ball but that hasn't come to fruition yet. Only 1.4 of his 6.6 three-point attempts per game are the catch-and-shoot variety, even though he's shooting 37.2% on those looks. The other 5.5 three-pointers per game are pull-ups, and he's shooting only 32.7%. Last season, he shot 48.1% on his 1.0 catch-and-shoot threes versus 37% on his 6.9 pull-up-three attempts. Now, that is an interesting stat. Now, at the end of the day, do I think that the Hawks should really explore trade talks in the offseason? No, I don't. Now, if at the end of the year, Okay. at the end of next season, if this franchise is still stuck in the mud and going nowhere, then maybe we can have those discussions. But I do think you have to sort of retool what your roster is, whether that's a Capella, a Collins, a Hunter, somebody like that that you move. Probably Bogey's not going to be back because most likely he's not picking up his uh, player option of 18 million dollars. He's going to shop and peddle his wares on the open market and look for a bigger guaranteed contract out there. So there's no doubt that with Quinn Snyder in place, whether Landry Fields is calling the shots, whether he's the player personnel guy, whether whether he's president of basketball operations, I don't know. But Quinn Snyder is going to have a very heavy involvement in the formation of this team. That's the thing that he did not have in Utah that he was looking for in his next job so besides paying a good bit of money i think he's definitely going to have a real influence on how this roster comes together and again what we hear from tony wrestler collaborative communicative i mean just all these different things these buzzwords right that tony wrestler was going around and saying we're having more voices in the front office and things like that well quinn snyder is going to be a guy like that and Let's see a full year of what Quinn Snyder can do. Because again, the thought was, and this was from the front office, that we want to consistently be a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense. Now, the article does go on to talk about some of Trey Young's deficiencies. But I will say that for his deficiencies, I definitely think that he has played better defense, and especially over the last few weeks, that Quinn Snyder was here. He's more active with his hands, he's creating more steals, and that's something that DeJounte Murray is a master at, right? DeJounte Murray picking your pocket and, you know, and, and intercepting a pass and then it leads to an easy bucket. So I will give Trey credit that even though some of the numbers don't completely bear that out, I think with a full off season of work and a full year under Quinn Snyder, that can get a lot better. Is it going to make him taller? Is it going to make him thicker? Is it going to make him put on more weight? No. But Quinn Snyder, I think, has a way to try to maximize what every player can do. And and, you know, we've we've seen articles here lately that are talking about the idea of Quinn Snyder, you know, getting some players out of their bad habits and different things like that and, and kind of giving players a a kind of re-education and, and rethinking way of looking at what this team is and things like that. So what I what I entertain talks? No, I, even if they don't. Again, even for a GM, where I always say that a GM needs to make your team better tomorrow than it was today. I don't think now is the time. If we go a whole season, we go through the off season, camps, preseason. And then this team flounders at the end of next year, and we're still in that stuck in that seven, eight, nine kind of mode. Then, yeah, I mean, I could see entertaining because again, we can lose just as easily with Trey Young as we can without him. I mean, if 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 it's getting to that point where we're not winning enough with him on the court, we can certainly do the same thing without him. But I'm not entertaining any trade offers for Trey Young. But I am looking at what do we do with Hunter? What do we do with Capella? What do we do with John Collins? And maybe this is part of the reality is getting ourselves under the luxury tax. How much does Tony Wrestler want to get into the luxury tax? He can say he doesn't veto trades based upon that, but he's shown no ounce of desire to get into the luxury tax. And he's even said, if it's appropriate or I expect us to be a better team when we go into the luxury tax, competing potentially for an NBA championship. So I don't think right now is the time to be looking at trying to gauge the room, gauge the temperature of other franchises. But I definitely think that we can certainly have some discussions about Capella. Collins, DeAndre Hunter, maybe even in all honesty, DeJounte Murray, because if you can't figure out a way to sign him long term, you've got to move him for some pieces and parts and things like that. So I'm okay with literally everybody else on the roster having serious discussions about trade. Everybody else on the roster. I don't think right now, though, is the time to be talking about Trey Young and potentially trading him somewhere else. I, I, I don't think that that discussion needs to happen for at least another year before we would explore anything and, and explore whatever opportunities may come out there. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hit hard with John Chuck for your first listen every day. Make sure you make Locked on Sports today your second listen, The Biggest Stories of the Day, Instant Reactions, Big Game Recaps, and The Take of the Day. They're available on Odyssey, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast from. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com, put Locked on Sports Atlanta into that search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button. Be a part of our community as we try to grow to 6,000 folks on our YouTube page. You can also leave us a comment. We are free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your favorites from. Also, Roku and Amazon Fire are two additional ways that you can check out all of our content. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We'll wrap up the week tomorrow. This has been hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.